Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakita McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. Hey, you can follow me at Kenny McGee on the Twitter and at Kenny underscore McGee on the IG. You can go to our website, wearegalradio.com, for more details on our programming, articles, other fun stuff. There's your one-stop shot to learn about all of us. Go to wearegalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with the other podcast program from War Media by simply searching for War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on the tube, aka YouTube, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Thank you in advance for your support. Thank you, thank you. Like, subscribe, and share. Like, share, subscribe, and tell all your buddies. Yes. And we get to tell you guys this, uh, the big game, the NFL's 55th edition of their championship game took place on Sunday between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are your new Super Bowl champions from 2020. They defeated the Chiefs 31-9. Patrick Mahomes on the losing side had 270 yards passing and two interceptions, while Super Bowl MVP Tom Brady, which clinched his fifth Super Bowl MVP title overall in his seventh ring. He had 201 yards passing along with three touchdowns. Little Fournette was the man running the football for Tampa Bay, carrying the ball 16 times for 89 yards in the score. Travis Kelsey picked up 10 receptions for 133 yards. Most of that was in garbage time. Lakina, I know you picked Tampa Bay. Congratulations to you. Like, uh, like I told people, even though I didn't have – a dog in his fight, and I picked Kansas City to win. I raised the concern about the Tampa Bay offense with our guests over the past couple of days. Tampa Bay's running game had to be on par if they, if they, if they, if, if they wanted to give themselves a chance. Leonard Fournette did that last night. Ronald Jones outside of that uh, goal line stand, which we'll uh, get into in a few minutes. But Tampa Bay did a heck of a job running the ball defensively. Uh, they came after Patrick Mahomes. You could tell that that toe injury was still bothering him, especially late in the game when he was just um, banged around. Uh, the injuries to that two offensive alignment regarding the Kansas City Chiefs, he really showed up in this game. The, they were the ones that couldn't run the ball. Let's give credit to Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. He did a, a masterful job. If this doesn't make him become a head coach within the next year or so, I don't know what does. We'll get into that later. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is their second uh, Super Bowl in franchise history. The first one since 2002. They deserved it. They played a heck of a game. Two thumbs up. Well of a job. Well, uh, look, I think I think even all of us who did pick Tampa Bay, thank you very much, Sid, for the props, but uh, I don't think <laughs> any of us thought that it would be, like, totally one-sided. I mean, 31-9, no. nobody no, – I think no one thought that this would be the final score. We all thought it would be a classic or, you know, it would come down to the final possession. It didn't. I mean, look, Tampa Bay's defense, you could probably make a case for any one of those guys to win MVP. 
Devin White, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue, Levante David. I mean, the, those guys all, they just smothered Mahomes all, all game. And, you know, I think you know, there was an interesting stat that came up. You know, Pat, Pat Mahomes ran for almost 500 yards. Most of that stuff was just trying to get away from the, the pass rush from Tampa. So, look, Todd Bowles, I mean, you, some people were even saying, even myself saying, hey, can we give a coordinator the MVP? That would have been a first. But, uh, but yeah. It, you know, but that, that that was a great game plan. And look, Byron Wethwich, you know, called a great game too. I don't, I feel like he's not getting his props, you know, early on this mm-hmm. morning. Well, well, after it's after twelve here, but you know, it's still, it's still morning out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> but look, I mean, look, Brady wasn't you know flashy. You know, he only threw for two hundred, two a little over two hundred one yard, two hundred yards, two hundred one yards, three touchdowns. But they they did just enough to sort of keep you know Mahomes and them off the field and. But Gronk had a couple of touchdowns. I mean, you thought that maybe they were going to make history and maybe Gronk probably could make a case for him to be MVP. You know, Fournette, mm-hmm. you know, Fournette, you probably could say, you know, made a case for him to be a Super Bowl MVP. But look, I mean, Devontae David led the, led the, you know, the Bucks with 12, you know, total tackles, including eight solo tackles. Devontae David, who, you know, props to him. He was there during those lean years. He was drafted in 2012. You know, stayed, mm-hmm. you know, stayed with the organization when he could have left. He stayed there and, you know, had six solo tackles. Antoine Winfield Jr. made some big, big plays. I know people were, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, getting on him for doing the peace on the Tyreek Hill after that, uh, that final, you know, end up being the Chiefs' final possession, you know, mm-hmm. you know, turnover on downs. But if you guys remember, if you watched their season me on Thanksgiving weekend, you know, Hill did it to him. You know, he did the peace sign. I remember because I saw it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, a lot of us saw it, you know, so, you know, a little contact there. But, look, just a great overall performance. They, you know, the Bucks were dominant on both sides of the ball. The Chiefs didn't know what to do. And we'll get into all the other stuff in, you know, in, sec- in a second. But just an amazing performance. Probably one of the best performances from start to finish of a, a team in the Super Bowl and, what I could see in it probably in a long time. What do you think? I want to bring that up since you jumped ahead. I'll bring it up now. I was thinking about this this, this morning. Of course, T- Tampa Bay's defense is a very good defense for 2020. But just for that one game, does it rank in the top five or maybe in the top ten, but really in the top five? Let's look at it. A couple of years ago, the New England Patriots shut out the Rams, which was a high-power offense that year in 2018. They ended up winning that Super Bowl 13-3. Uh, that was Brady's last Super Bowl as a Patriot. Of course, you have to go back to the 85 Bears, the 46-10 dominant performance over New England. You had to go back to the 2000 Ravens mm-hmm. over the New York Giants, 35-7. to I want to say memory serves correct. Yeah. And, of course, a couple of years later, Tampa Bay, with that defense, even though that was getting toward the end of that run, they dominated Oakland 41-21. How did Oakland score 21 points in that game? I don't know, but that was a pretty dominating performance. How will history teach, uh, treat, rather, the, the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense? And if you would have told me that this Kansas City Chiefs team would have scored nine points without scoring a touchdown, I would have laughed at you like you were crazy. It was possible, but it would have been highly unlikely this would have happened. But you have to give the Tampa Bay defense as props. But going back to your original question, does it really – do you really think it ranks the top five best performances, defensive performances in Super Bowl history? 
we may able to say to say yes down the road, but right now, I don't know. They did do the job. I'll give them that, but top five, I'm not sure. Well, I, I would say probably. Also, let's go back to the Steelers' defense of the '70s too. And I would even say even more recent than that. I mean, look at the Seahawks. You know, a few years back, they just dominated. Peyton yeah, Manning. against Denver. Yes. Yeah, yes. Peyton Manning and the Broncos. So you gotta think. You know, you gotta put them in the pitch. I think it's probably like the. I don't know if it's in the top five. Cause I've seen. So, you know, I've seen some people say that, but I would say probably the top ten, top twelve. I mean, you know, all mm-hmm. the ones we mentioned. I mean, you can kind of make a case for those. You know, particular defensive performances too. So you know, I, I think look, you know, they had a great game plan. You know, Todd Bowles. You know, give him credit. I mean, he, you know, you probably say you got a raw deal with the Jets, but, you know, that's a, that's another topic for another <laughs> that's another discussion for another uh, episode. But, look, I mean, like I said, on both sides of the ball, the Bucks dominated from the word go. I mean, it, it just, you know, it was just astonishing. I think everyone was surprised and just shocked at how dominant the Bucks were. So, and remember, the Chiefs didn't have any, you know, Eric Fisher. It turns out that was probably mm-hmm. the biggest loss for the Chiefs. And, you know, you could probably make say that some other stuff that happened off the field, okay, what, you know, we won't get into that too much. But, I mean, they were outcoached and they were outclassed. It's just as simple as that. Yes, they were. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the Chiefs, uh, two office alignment there, one was uh, out for the year. And, of course, as you mentioned, Fisher was injured a couple of weeks ago in the AFC title game against Buffalo. But that that was a big factor in the game. Also, another big factor in the game was the penalties. I believe it was seven penalties in that first half. Usually the refs usually let the players uh, set the tempo. But I'm not going to blame the refs for the reason why the Chiefs didn't win. But the Chiefs were undisciplined. Yeah, you couldn't – and there were a couple of calls that you kind of scratch your head. You you could say that about any holding play and things along that line. Of course, I know the uh, refereeing has been an issue over the last few years in the NFL. But going back to that game last night, I it's not the reason why the Chiefs lost. The Chiefs played undisciplined. They shot themselves in the foot. And also, too, the, as we said before, give Tampa Bay's defense credit. They were in Mahomes' grill. They couldn't uh, run the ball, referring to the Chiefs. And they had Kansas City's number. They had Tyreek Hill's number early. He only had two catches in the first half. Travis Kelsey, I believe, the same thing in that first half. And they were trailing 21 to 6. So it, was, it wasn't just one factor. It was a combination of a whole lot of things. And also just crucial drops by both of them. I mean, they're mm-hmm. on the characteristic drops by both uh, Hill and Kelsey. So that I'm sure that did not help the Chiefs cause either. I mean, look. Look, a couple, as far as the referee and go, look, you can probably say maybe one or two of those calls. You can probably say, okay, you know what? Maybe they should have let that, let that go. But, again, you know, they, the, refs didn't, the refs didn't drop the balls you know, that Mahomes was you know, throwing to them. Mahomes, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the refs were the ones that were, you know, being totally undisciplined. And, you know, I guess, you know, Tyron Matthew had a, um, a sportsmanlike conduct against Brady that actually extended the drive for Tampa. You know, it turned out that I guess I, I guess um, Matthew I guess punched Brady like in a helmet or maybe like slapped Brady in a helmet or something like that. That's why Brady had mm-hmm. had the reaction. It actually it turned out, but uh, look, they were just like you said, so they were undisciplined and certainly uncharacteristic. And you know, like I said, they were just out out man and out class. And you know, that the Bucks should get you know should be commended for doing what they did. And you could probably say that maybe. Ha- playing at home might have had something to do with it and and maybe so but you can tell by the crowd that's the sparse crowd it was kind of even maybe a little bit mm-hmm. of edge to bucks fans but 
like you have to you have to give the Bucks their props. I mean, they're you know I think they're the third or fourth team, fourth wild card team, I should say, to win the um, the Super Bowl. The first two is since Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did it ten years ago. So you got to give them props for that, and they beat three Super Bowl MVPs, you know, to to do it. So which is the first ever that happens. You know, they they beat Drew Brees, they beat Aaron Rodgers, and then they just and they beat Pat Mahomes last night. So just overall, you know, an outstanding performance by the Bucks. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Burns. We review the NFL's championship game, the 55th edition between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are your world champions, defeating the Chiefs 31-9. Tom Brady picking up the Super Bowl MVP, the fifth of his career, the first, obviously, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Breaking down the numbers, first let's go to Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette, as I mentioned at the top of the show, carried the ball 16 times for 89 yards and a score. Ronald Jones, the second 12, carries 61 yards. In the receiving department, Rob Gronkowski, who, Many people felt should have grabbed the MVP award. He had two touchdown catches off six receptions for 67 yards. Leonard Fournette, second on the team with four catches, 46 yards. Mike Evans only had one catch, excuse me, for 31 yards. Who would have thought that it would have been his only catch of the game? Starting oh, yeah. tight end Cameron Brake. Brake had three catches for 26 yards. Antonio Brown, who many thought would play in this game as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it didn't come to fruition, but he got his first Super Bowl touchdown, all five catches for 22 yards. Lakina, I want to focus in on the running game for just a moment. As I mentioned before, we talked about it with our guest. If you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast page or right here on YouTube at War Media. Uh, I was, I said that Tampa Bay will have to run the ball more effectively than Kansas City. They did that last night, but let's go down to that uh, um, goal line stand in that second quarter, Lakina. Ronald Jones, you know, he had a couple big runs in there early. When you got down to the goal line, this is the reason why you brought in Fournette. Why didn't Leonard Fournette get in the game in that goal line stand? I don't understand it. This is sort of his specialty, right? We've seen him do this, you know, multiple times. And it, it is sort of weird that he was not the guy that, that did that goal line. I mean – that's not really Ronald Jones's uh, strength, so that that kind of sort of threw me off. That why wasn't for Minette out there? They were right like the one and a half, you know, the one one and a half yard line. Like why why was it why wasn't he out there? But I look, they 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 did it when it counted. I mean, they 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 scored the points. They they they, they scored the points when you know opportunistic. So when the opportunity was there, they did were able to to take it. And yeah, it was sort of like the one blemish, and it okay. You know, they missed out on that, but they actually got the ball right back, the Bucks did. So it really didn't matter. And actually ended up scoring in the next possession. So it was kind of a moot point. But, you know, that, that was sort of one of those things that, you know, that was definitely a head scratcher. It was definitely a head scratcher to me at the time as well because Tampa Bay had the momentum already. Uh, they were taking advantage of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. They were raining them down in the run game. And so – you go ahead and, and knock the Chiefs out early. And I do agree with Bruce Arians going forward on fourth down. That wasn't the issue. The issue is you couldn't score from the one-yard line. I believe on the it was second and goal, they tried to play action pass to one of the offensive linemen who came in as one of the extra blockers, and that didn't work. So I just thought that Fournette uh, uh, deserved an opportunity there down the goal line. But like you said, it didn't kill him. They ended up winning the game. Absolutely. And um, 
let's talk, let's talk about so the, the defense. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Just it, it I, I would I like I said before, I think it was you know one of the defensive guys should have won MVP, but you know, hey, look, they usually don't. They usually do like every few years they give it to a defensive guy, but I uh-huh. I mean, who who would you, who would it have been if they if they had given it to a defensive guy for Tampa? You think? Probably Devin White. He had the best game out of all of them. You um, broke down his stats earlier. 12 total tackles, including eight solo. Levante David had a good game as well with yep. uh, six solo tackles. But let's also give credit to Adama Kinsu. He had uh, a, a half a sack last night. Uh, he really got in that face of Patrick Mahomes. Shaquille Barry got a, a huge tackle as well. He provided constant pressure, especially coming in from the outside where he plays. So Tampa Bay's defensive line, they took advantage of the Chiefs' weakness, which was, as we mentioned, time and time again, the two offensive linemen, they were out. They were able to pressure Mahomes, especially up the middle when you got Mahomes out of pocket. And I said this to someone on Twitter last night. Patrick Mahomes, he's he'll probably go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play eventually when his career is done, hopefully if he stays healthy. But when he gets out the pocket and throws the ball, he even makes incomplete passes exciting because how talented that young man is. So <laughs> you just hope that, that he doesn't have that breath of grunt slinger mentality as far as making dumb mistakes. He's a smart kid, but he just he makes plays, especially out of the pocket, exciting. You just don't want him to start doing that, picking up bad habits and uh, creating turnovers. So, uh, the Tampa Bay defense, I uh, figured out Mahomes, and, and as I said uh, in previous, the last couple of episodes, uh, Kansas City, they could get away, they could have gotten, uh, gotten away with the running the football, but you still have Mahomes that can do it. He was doing it early, running out the pocket, but soon as uh, the gaps were closing in on the Chiefs, uh, he really didn't have anywhere to go. Oh, no, absolutely not, and Look, they did this. They just pressed him from you know the whole game. I mean, from the very first mm-hmm. series. I mean, that defense of Tampa is just you know just you know bum rush um, Mahomes. You can tell how frustrated he got. And look, I mean, they had a bad game. You know, unfortunately, it happened during the Super Bowl. You have your worst game of the season, unfortunately. But all the things that we were talked about were sort of the flaws of KC. You know, their O line not having mm-hmm. a real running back. You know, that came back to bite him in the butt in the Super Bowl. So, Bucks, you know, you got to give him credit for sort of exposing that. And I, I think, I know, I heard people say, well, maybe, you know, he'll want to end up being like a Marino. But here's the difference, though. At least Mahomes had a Super Bowl ring. Marino, mm-hmm. never, Marino, Marino never got back to the Super Bowl. So, I think people need to kind of, you know, take about a couple of nights when they say, oh, well, let's, he'll be another Marino. Look, at least, you know, Mahomes has a ring. So, let's, you know, let, let's just be let, – let's sort of, you know, take yeah. a, a couple of steps back in that, in that, uh, on that take. Yeah, and I was thinking about this, too, last night. Uh, and people uh, were saying uh, all over the, uh, the broadcast, both TV and radio and social media, well, Kansas City has the talent to get back, in which they do. Assuming that uh, Patrick Mahomes stays healthy and assuming that uh, Kansas City Chiefs management manages the salary cap, that's what it's all about. But is it is not a guarantee that they can get back here. It really isn't. As you, and, and the, as you mentioned, Dan Marino, of course, uh, during his second year, he went to the Super Bowl and faced Joe Montana, and they, lo- and they lost. And uh, people at that time said, well, Marino has the talent. He'll get back there. Eventually, he didn't get back there. Of course, the Buffalo Bills of the early 90s, 
which they were, they were their rivals in the AFC East, uh, stopped them a couple of times from going. Of course, Jimmy Johnson, Coach Dallas, came down there and tried to revive Marino's career. They didn't have the, the talent to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl. So it is not promised. Will Patrick Mahomes be back? Let's hope so for him. If you're a Chiefs fan, you hope so. But it is not guaranteed, especially now in this salary cap era. Uh, uh, dynasties are not for long in the NFL. Your core will only stay together three years, maybe four years max. Look what happened to San Francisco early last decade with Jim Harbaugh. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. We all thought they were going to start a dynasty. Look what happened. So, you know, for Kansas City, I think they do have a bright future, but it's not guaranteed. Well, also, too, you got to think that the other teams in the, are going to get better, right? Yeah, they Buffalo will mm-hmm. get better. Baltimore, Miami. Will, Miami, Baltimore will get better. Indianapolis, yeah. if they can find a quarterback, you know, they'll get better. Um, maybe even some people said maybe Cleveland. You got to think, will they be back? Um, look, but there's so many teams in the AFC that could challenge the Chiefs. So for people to say that, well, you know, they could get back again. I mean, all the examples you mentioned, plus – the, the, the teams, you know, a lot of them will only get better. And you're going to get a, a fight from those, you know, those teams, you know, whoever they get, you know, how their schedule is looking like next year. So let, let's sort of, you know, slow down on the, uh, like, oh, well, she's got the fairest to win, which they probably will be. I think they are. You know, some of the Vegas mm-hmm. odds come out for uh, 2021 season. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's nothing guaranteed, nothing's guaranteed, folks. Let's, let's, there's a reason why it hasn't been since 06, 07. Uh, maybe I should, maybe like earlier than the, the 2000s as to that there have been repeat champions in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now, of course, those are 03, 04 New England Patriots. You're listening to Second City Sports along with LaKenda McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-9 win in the big game in Super Bowl 55. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are your new Super Bowl champions for 2020. Let's quickly break down the numbers from the other side. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had nine carries for 64 yards. Patrick Mahomes, five carries for 33 yards. And as far as receiving is concerned, Travis Kelsey had a big game, but most of that came in garbage time. As Lakina would say, 10 catches for 133 yards. Tyreek Hill, seven catches for 73 yards. And... No one else showed up in the receiving department, Lakina, who had a big game. I thought that Miko Hartman would had a big would have a big game. He only had two catches for four yards. On the other side, Lakina, your MVP, which you predicted, Chris Garland only had two catches for nine yards. But going back to Kansas City for a moment, <laughs> give the Tampa Bay secondary credit. They picked off Mahomes twice. They had, they had a, a very good game plan and neutralized Tyree Kill, as I mentioned earlier, limit him to only two catches in that first half. The only real threat was Travis Kelsey, but if you notice, I think except for a couple of plays, when Travis Kelsey caught his pass, the Tampa Bay linebackers were right there to, to tackle him. It wasn't a catch and run like Travis Kelsey always does. Uh, mm-hmm. it, he was very limited in that department last night. Yeah, we were talking about with all of our guests, you know, both – on Friday and yesterday, we did our pre uh, pregame show. You know, you had to contain Tyree Kill. You can't slow him down, and they did that. Look, Devin White and Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, that you know, they just slowed him down, and they you know, really didn't have was pretty much a non-factor. Also, to Travis Kelsey, I mean, he had a couple of key drops and would have gotten the Chiefs back yeah. in as well. So that again, that that whole thing. I mean, he had 133 receiving yards, but unfortunately, like you like you said, he had didn't have any touchdown passes. He had a couple of chances at touchdown at touchdown catches, but 
you know, it didn't come to fruition. So they were just, you know, like, like we, like we've been saying, I mean, not having an O line, not having a, an actual running back. You wonder why Daryl Williams wasn't really a, more of a factor. You know, that that's mm-hmm. going to be another thing or why, why didn't, you know, Edwards Alaire, you know, get the ball more, but you know, that's something that will probably, you know, I'm sure chiefs are probably going to be figuring, trying to figure that out maybe for the next few months. Yeah, I wanted to bring this question to you, Lakina, and I heard this this morning and late last night. Of course, the Chiefs were trailing 31-9 late in that game. Of course, they didn't score a touchdown. Would you would have would you would have uh, pulled Patrick Mahomes from from the game if you were head coach Andy Reid? Oh, um, that's a tough one. Um, because Mahomes was getting beat up, he was leaning to the side a bunch of times, especially in that fourth quarter. Yeah, that toe was bothering him. I mean, do you think Henny yeah. would have been? Henny would have been. Uh, Chad Henny would have been. Uh, would have been. You know, giving him a spark. I, I don't know. Do you think- I don't think it would have made a difference anyway because it was getting late in the game, and I think you would have sent the wrong message if you would have pulled Mahomes. As like, well, are are you throwing the game? Or are you quitting? You sending your team a message when things don't go your way? You just you just started to quit. But I, I, outside of that, I'm pulling him because I know he's the future of your franchise. He's a, uh, not the face of the NFL. I, I, pulling him, I wouldn't have really done anything. You were already down. I, honestly, I, I, I'm just at a crossroads. Like, okay, if you pull, if you pull him, I, I sort of get it. But if you do it, why? I, I don't know. I mean, look, he, he tried. I mean, look, he did his best, even though with a bum toe. And I guess reports mm-hmm. are that he'll probably have to have surgery on that toe. So you can probably tell that he wasn't 100%. But, like, look, I mean, it wasn't his fault that they lost. But let's, let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there were drops, you know, bad play calling and all that. But, you know, the Bucks just dominated on both sides. I, you know, I, I don't think – I don't know if Henny would have made a difference. It, it wouldn't have helped at all, I don't think. I don't think so either. You're listening to Second City Sports. I'm Cindy Brown along with Lakina McGee. As we talk football in this segment, Lakina, before we take our break, since we are broadcasting from near Chicago, let's talk about those sorry-ass Chicago Bears. <laughs> Over the weekend, the news broke from a few sources. Uh, including Adam Schefter of the ESPN, that Carson Wentz is expected to be traded in the coming days. Of course, no new deal could be can be uh, official until the new league year begins. I want to say March 13th or 17th, with one of those two dates. Uh, the Bears are involved in some trade talks again, and of course, Carson Wentz, as I mentioned just a second ago, um, from Adam Schefter, that Wentz is expected to be traded within the coming days or weeks and the bears name has the bears name has been involved allegedly in those talks <laughs> the rumor deal is two first round picks nick falls and tariq cohen and of course if you're on twitter or facebook saturday night like i was watching basketball we'll get to basketball in our next segment there's some things we um, we need to discuss but getting back to the uh wins wheeling and dealing Two first-round picks, Nick Mm -hmm. Foles and Tariq Cohen. Of course, Tariq Cohen came out on Twitter late Saturday night, said he called uh, GM Ryan Pace, he called Matt Nagy, called his agent, said, "Uh, it's all good, I'm not going anywhere in Chicago. 
we're tied together, blah, blah, blah. Lakina, uh, we discussed this a little bit yesterday during our pregame show with Kyle Maines, editorial director of, of War Media. <laughs> I tweeted this out when the news broke and said, I expect the Bears to do something like this because GM Ryan Pace has run out of mulligans and he's trying to save face and save his job because he knew he knows that he passed up on, on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in the 2017 draft and that the Bears need to win now. And this is what happens when you don't uh, draft a franchise quarterback. I want to ask you, do you give up two first-round picks for Carson Wentz? I know in his second year he was injured the year they won the Super Bowl. He was on his way to an MVP, regular season MVP trophy. But ever since then, he hasn't played all that well. He hasn't stayed healthy for a full season. So I, I know he's a slight upgrade over Trubisky, but I'm not giving up two first-round picks. And Roquan Smith, which is a hot rumor now, no, I'm not. But, this, but, but you know the Bears would do something stupid like that, would they? <laughs> that, that's what I was saying. I mean, I said it all weekend. Like, look, this move will be so Bears. It will be such mm -hmm. a Bears move for them to make to give up one of their top defensive guys, young defensive guys, and Roquan Smith, sort of like an all-purpose you know, all guy. I know, you know, Tariq said that, well, hey, we're tied together. Look, they're not going to tell you mm -hmm. that, well, you're being traded until after it happens. So that's a – I hope he knows it's a business. Yeah, I'm about to say, you, you're a smart guy. You know that's not how it works. I'm not giving up two first-rounders. No, I'm not. Not for a reclamation project. I said it yesterday. I'm not. And I see some people mm -hmm. say, well, you know, they don't have any alternatives. Okay, yeah. Oh, look, I, look we know where they're not going to get with Deshaun Watson. They don't have the, 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 the capital for it. Mm -hmm. They're not. I'd rather, if I had to choose, I'd probably have to say maybe Derek Carr because he probably won't need to give up too much. Maybe Sam Darnold, you know, his name's being floated around too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not, look, if I could get the Carson Wentz from two years ago, from, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, maybe three years ago before he got hurt. And of mm -hmm. course, Bulls took over, you know, of course, you know, we you know what happened. You know, they went to Super Bowl, he went MVP. Fine. But again, this, you're basically a slightly older Mitch Trubisky. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's what we're getting if you would get Carson Wentz. But again, this would be such a Bears move. I mean, it's just it's just crazy and look i know chris ballard the gm of the colts is not gonna give up a, a two first round pick mm -hmm. especially since they really are literally a player maybe two players at most away from contending next year so, mm -hmm. so again this will be such a bearish move so i don't know how you feel i wonder how you feel about it sid because <laughs> I, i've seen like certain people say well you know hey is it he's better than what we have is he really on paper, yes, but as I mentioned, the, the the injury history over the last couple of years, and number two, let's let's not forget if you trade for Carson Wentz, you have to absorb most of the contract which he signed before before that the start of last season. <laughs> and also, too, we mentioned before on the show, we'll mention uh, on uh, on here again, the Bears are near the salary cap mark, and we broke down the salaries of the top three players for the Bears: Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn and Kyle Fuller are your top three guys uh, that are making the most money on the team. Khalil Matt takes up 20% of your cap. Mm -hmm. Unless the Bears have a plan to uh, move some of your big uh, money guys uh, if you acquire Carson Wentz, what are you doing? But like you said, again, this will be so Bears. Now, me personally, if I'm going to try to work a deal, 
I'm not going to give up that first-round pick for this year because you need a tackle on that offensive line, okay? But I would give up a second-round pick and maybe maybe one of those high-salary guys must be on part of Philadelphia won't do that, but I'll give up a second-round pick and maybe Cal Fuller or somebody on that defensive line. Uh, defensive line. But let's be realistic, Lakina. Uh, Philadelphia will, pro- will probably end up getting a – getting one first round pick. Let's be realistic here. Two first round picks? No. Mm. But that would be But if I could get away with not giving up a first round pick, great. But realistically I don't think that's gonna happen. Oh no, they're they're gonna want a first rounder, no no doubt about mm-hmm. it. At least at the very least one and you know they're mm-hmm. not just gonna give them to you, you know, matching salaries. That's not how it works in the NFL. So I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Well like I said we'll find out if by the end of the week by the time we Come back. Hopefully, Mom will be back with us on Friday. You know, if Carson Wentz is a new member of the Chicago Bears, <laughs> I, I I don't know. There would be, say. like you said, there would be so Bears, and and I also mentioned this too with Kyle yesterday doing our our big game pregame show. I could get upset, but maybe because uh, I'm getting older now, which I will say that too much on this show. But since I'm getting older now, and I. We know how the McCaskies operate, and I said this before. They're great business decision makers, not great football decision makers. I'll say that again. McCaskies are great business decision makers, but when it comes to football, they're not. <laughs> I Just like that foolish press conference following the, uh, the wild card loss to the Saints, which everybody was brought back, the head coach and the GM, we told you on this show that that was going to happen if this team made the playoffs. Of course, they had an ugly – in the middle there of the season, of course, they made the playoffs with an eight and eight record. But if they traded for Carson Wentz, whenever that announcement is, <laughs> even if I wanted to get upset, I can't because we know how this front office operates. And they operate in a time machine which had an old business model from 50 years ago. That's not how business is done today in 2021. And the McCaskies, don't want to operate in that mode. If you don't want to operate in that mode, this mediocrity, mediocrity at best is what you get. Oh yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I've seen a lot of a lot of um, Bears fans say, "Listen, they're gonna now watch the Bears, gonna find some other teams to cheer for." And look, I mean, we've all got you know our breaking points with this team, so we'll see what happens. It's just just like this is gonna be such a Bears move. I mean, I I don't know what's gonna happen. And look, if you're Allen Robinson, you're hoping and praying that you don't get the franchise tag because I'm sure he'll have other teams. You know, I mentioned it on our pregame show yesterday. You know, you got Baltimore, maybe Arizona, maybe mm-hmm. you know, may, maybe the, the Colts. I'm sure they're still they, they could use another wide receiver. Um, just you know, Dolphins, the Dolphins, you know, of course. So yeah, there, there there's so many other places he can go that are probably are contending. You don't know where the Bears are going to be next year, so I I don't know if I'm, I'm, you're hoping and praying if you're a Rod that you don't get franchise tag. And I told you before on this show, the Bears are going to find a way to stick their franchise tag on him. He's going to be here for one more year. That's my prediction. I'm going to stick to it. Like you said, if you missed the Robinson, you don't want that to happen because you fight for free agency. You fight for the, the, the place that you want to go to a new team to display your skills. And if their franchise tag is slapped on you, you're handcuffed. You can't go anywhere. Well, I can sit out. If you sit out, you're going to lose money. So, 
you in a you in a, 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 a you in a no win situation when you're when you're a, a player that's eligible for the franchise tag. I brought this example up yesterday. Look at Kirk Cousins before you he was shipped to Minnesota. Uh, look at Dak Prescott what he's going through right now with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, assuming that he'll get a deal done this offseason. But uh, if you're a player, it's like kryptonite with that franchise tag. Management can use it on anybody to control them, basically. Oh, absolutely. That's how the NFL works. It, it sucks that it's mm -hmm. that way, but it's been that way for a long time. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, one more thing before we take our break. Um, Brady, Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl ring, like we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's more... That's more than the Steelers and I believe the Cowboys because they, they both each have six. Mm -hmm. Brady is now in a class all by himself. And this, was, this has been asked by a lot of people. And I, I figure we might as well just you know, talk about it for like a couple of minutes before we take our break. Is Brady the best ever in any sport? We'll, we'll leave the team sports out of it because, you know, you know, you can break up all you know, the Steelers and the, and the Cowboys and, you know, soccer teams and the Lakers and the Bulls teams from the 90s. But I'm talking about Brady, you know, individually. Is he the best ever? He's in a team photo, obviously, because of the rings. But I'm going to say the best ever winner ever. No, only because... He doesn't play defense. Of course, football is the ultimate team game, okay? Now, is he the best at his position to ever do it? Yes, arguably so. But the greatest athlete ever? No, because he doesn't play defense. Now, you can say he's one of the great leaders of all time. Yes, he's there uh, next to Michael Jordan in the late Kobe Bryant. But the greatest athlete ever? He's in a team picture, but he's not there. You can look at uh, the late Muhammad Ali in boxing at his prime. I know that's a solo sport, but you can look at him, of course, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, you know, what he went through with the Boston Celtics, the greatest winner in terms of rings of all time in all professional sports. So he's in a team picture, but the greatest athlete ever, he's in a team picture, but not for me. He's not at the top. Well, now, you I mean, can say he's the greatest football winner ever, yes. Not the football athlete, but the greatest football winner, yes. Yeah, definitely. But the top athlete ever, no. Definitely best football player ever. I think he submitted himself in that. But you got Tiger Woods in golf. You got Michael Phelps you know, in the Olympics. You got you know, Serena Williams in tennis. You got, you got Federer and Nadal and Djokovic in men, on the men's side in tennis. So there, there are other, and even like a couple of soccer players, you know, maybe Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, you know, guys like that. So I think there's definitely, you know, you could definitely make a case for him being like right there in the photo with those athletes I mentioned. But, you know, mm -hmm. as the you know, best ever, yeah, that, 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 let's, you know, let, let's slow down on that. But you know how, you know how Twitter is, you know how social media yeah. and, you know, sports are like, and you know, some people are like, well, you know, I didn't cheer for him because of this or that. Look, you got to give him his props for what he's been able to do. Yeah, you you have to. One more quick question before we take our break. Did you watch any other halftime show? If so, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the weekend performing halftime? It, it was it was okay. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't wild. I know like some people were saying that you know he had technical issues and and such, and also that meme of him like you know come when he was coming. I guess he was coming out the stage. You know, had that like you know dizzy with that little mirror 
mirror yeah. images thing, which is sort of which I saw that on Twitter last night. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. You know, people were making fun of that. I mean, look, it, it wasn't the the best, but it wasn't the worst. I mean, like we've seen worse, you know, halftime shows. I mean, I think people need to kind of sort of step away from mm-hmm. Twitter. I know some people say, well, I don't know about much about the weekend's music, but you know, it, it was it was fine. I, I look, I said, like I said, I just sat back and watched the comments, and it was they were some were pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely yeah, there were definitely mixed reviews from what I read last night. But but as I always say, you could take social media with a grain of salt because sometimes people are honest and then sometimes there's people just making comments because they're trendy because of what other people are saying. So and I, I just wanted to get uh, ask you because there were some mixed thoughts on Twitter last night about it. Like I said, I didn't watch it at all, so that's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I, I had in the background, that's it. Okay. Yeah, it was like, like I said, I, you know, it wasn't the weekend's not my cup of tea. So, you know, okay, mm-hmm. he earned it, whatever. You know, I'm sure, look, I'm sure they're going to try to, you know, go big next year. So it's going to be in, in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens in that. All right. We'll see what happens on the other side after we take this 20 second timeout. On the flip side, we'll talk about the Chicago Bulls in the NBA. Of course, we'll get back to football with the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. And we'll talk about college basketball, both nationally and locally. There are two Big Ten teams that are going in opposite directions. We'll let you know what's up with that as you listen to the latest edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style? Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this show, Second City Sports Podcast, along with the other podcast programming for War Media by simply going to War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, in that iHeartRadio app, type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can also go to YouTube at War Media, once again, at W-A-R Media. Excuse me. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. And thank you for your support in advance. Mwah! Like, share, subscribe, and tell your yes. friends. Okay, so we got a lot to do, lot to do this, half, this hour, so let, let's get to it. <laughs> Yes, we switch over to the hardwood. Let's start with the Chicago Bulls. They are, as of this recording, 9-13, and 6-6 and six away from the United Center. Lakina, they had a split in Orlando over the weekend. They lost on Friday 123-119. to 119. Another failed attempt to come back. But on Saturday, they bounced back in a big way with a big win. Uh, with the injured uh, against the injured Orlando Magic team, one eighteen to one twelve. Uh, looking at that game on on Saturday, Lakina, you had to be encouraged by the performances of uh, rookie Patrick Williams. He scored sixteen points in thirty three minutes of action. Zach Levine had a had a bounce back game with thirty nine points, including five of six from three point land. Thaddeus Young continues to get it done. Twenty six minutes off the bench, uh, he had eleven points. Uh, of course. Um, Denzel Valentine had 20 points, including four of 10 shooting from three-point range. Kobe White struggled a little bit, but he still added 13 points and grabbed seven rebounds, chipped in with three assists. It was a nice overall uh, big win for the Chicago Bulls, but it seems like now you, you try to take a step forward, you take two steps back. 
what do I mean? Wendell Carter Jr. will be out for the uh, next seal out with a quad injury. Now Laurie Marketing with another injury. This time he will be out two to four weeks. Lakina, I don't want to sound basketball common sense stupid. I'm getting towards the right side of my brain. But <laughs> one, I'm glad the Bulls didn't pick up his fifth-year option before the season started. Number two, if it was up to me, I love you, Laurie. I hope you have a great career. I don't want to see you back here anymore. You get injured too damn much. I mean, maybe I'm looking at the wrong right now. <laughs> well, look, I mean, that's, he's kind of made a glass, right? I mean, he's had injury issues the last couple of years, and mm -hmm. just uh, just when he was actually starting to play better, you know, he you know he sprains his shoulder and he's going to be out for the, at the very least two weeks. So, but I, I mean, you know, you know Carter Jr. and you know, Laurie, I mean, the, 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 just those injuries are just ugh. You just want to go bananas here, but. Look, let's talk about, like, the, the good stuff, okay? I mean, look, Zach Levine, you know, 39 points, you know, to lead that. That was a, a big win. I think they needed that sort of the morale because of the way mm -hmm. they lost that, you know, that magic game. Vucevic has been, you know, picking up the slack. He's kind of been sort of a, you know, kind of leading the charge for Orlando with all the issues that they've had with injuries and COVID issues and, and whatnot, but – but but even still, I mean, Leo, that was a nice bounce back win for the Bulls. Denzel Valentine had 20 points. Look, I mean, I know he can be look, he can be annoying at times. You know, I, you know, there there are times where you, you want to like, yes, yes, Denzel. Then you want to be just want to like, what the heck are you doing, Denzel? But mm -hmm. look, he look, you know, you know, he had 20 points, definitely a, a season high for him. Kobe White, look, he had his struggles, but I'm not giving up on him. He has showed flashes. I know some people say, well, I don't want your know, wife, you know, you know, get him out of there. Look. He's kind of playing out of position. I mean, you know, Levine's a shooting guard, and so is Denzel, even though he's sort of big enough to be a power forward, but that's a whole other thing. But, mm -hmm. um, but look, I mean, he's playing out of position right now. He is showing flashes. He made some big stops late, so I'm not worried about about Kobe right, right now. I think he just needs a year in this, you know, Donovan system to sort of get him sort of to get to where the, at the point where he needs to be, and I think where he should be. Patrick Williams a double-double. Look, I've said it before. I know folks were sort of uneasy of, about him when he first was drafted, but he's showing you why he was sixth man of the year in the ACC. This is sort of the same thing he's doing. He'll, you know, he up and down the floor. He can shoot long range if you ask him to. He's really good, and, you know, he, I think he's only going to get better. That young, you know, sort of up at his trade value if they do decide to trade him at, at you know, before the mm -hmm. trade deadline. So, look, I think Look, the Bulls look really good. I mean, look, the injuries, yeah, they they stink, but you know, there are other other, you know, teams are having bigger issues than that. So, you know, we're actually, you know, the Bulls are actually been sort of, you know, pretty lucky in this sense, but let let's hope that, you know, maybe they can kind of put in the little put together a little bit of a run game despite the injuries. They've had the they had the Wizards tonight. We'll talk about that game on Friday. So, I'm I'm kind of look, like I said before, I'm excited to see a Bulls game again. So, that's, that's all I care about. <laughs> I'll say this, Lakina. I was going to ask you the question, were you done uh, with the Kobe White experiment at point guard? Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, he's still a shooting guard. I think that's that's where his game is, and that's where he should be for, for the duration of his NBA career. You can still be a shooting guard and make plays. So uh, is he a point guard? Probably not, but it doesn't mean you still can't make plays here and there. You just don't want – have the ball in your hands all the time as a point guard. So I think eventually that experiment will come to him. But that, that doesn't mean he still cannot and will not improve as a player. That's where I stand on that. 
Now, with Zach Levine, like I said, I, I think he's a number two, maybe a number three on a, a real team that's, that's a, a championship contender. But as I already said, he's the face of this franchise because you don't have the talent compared to the Lakers or the Clippers or Philadelphia or even to a lesser state, Milwaukee. So this is what you have to deal with, with if you're a, a Chicago Bulls fan. But I think Zach Levine, as we said it all year, uh, he's showing some leadership both on and off the court. He's, he's not just scoring big buckets anymore. He's actually trying to uh, play defense and, and get tough and be aggressive. So that's what you like to see from uh, Zach Levine. So, and it trickles down to the other guys. My main issue, and we've said this for the last couple of weeks, Lakina, the Bulls have put up a big fight. My concern is now you have to be consistent for go for 48 minutes. We didn't see that on Friday. We saw it on Saturday. Go 48. You have to be consistent from the opening tip to that final buzzer. You cannot take plays off. You can't have these lashes thinking that you get back into a game and sneak out of, out of the arena with a victory, especially with a young team like this and an inexperienced team. You just cannot afford to let this happen. Yes, we said this season is a learning experience and a player evaluation for many of those guys. But at some point, if you want to become a playoff team, you have to learn how to win games. You have to learn how to do the little things. You have to be consistent in doing them as well. I think they will. Look, they're, they're like one of, not the youngest team in the league. So a lot of these guys are still, they're still learning how to play. You know, they're learning a new system. You know, they're, you know, you know, finding their sort of what their roles are on this team. I mean, yeah, we'll, I mean, maybe all the, you know, half this, half these guys probably won't even be on the team next year. So, mm-hmm. you know, at, at this point, I'm just, I'm just looking to see what the Bulls have and what they can build around. I mean, if they do decide to keep Zach Levine and sort of build around him, fine. If they try, if they decide to trade him, you know, get some capital, fine. Look, we don't know what Mark Eversley and Arturo Kudis-Frisser, we don't know what they're thinking right now. They've been kind of pretty quiet, which is a good thing. So I think they're sort of looking at this, you know, you know, lenses. And I, I think, let's see. I mean, look, they don't have a point <laughs> The Bulls don't have a point guard. Right? <laughs> They've never. They you don't like Thomas Kataransky? <laughs> no, 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 maybe not. But, <laughs> maybe not. But uh, I, I mean, look, they, they they need a point guard. I mean, I've heard some people say uh, Lamelo Ball, but I, I mean, really, do you, do you really want that? I mean, gosh, I, do, you, do you would you want him on your team? <laughs> I mean. I would like to have LaMelo. I don't think Michael Jordan would be stupid enough to give him up from Charlotte. Now, Lonzo Ball, maybe, but what's going to take yeah. to get him? Yeah, yeah what's going to take to get him? I, I, I don't know. But he, he's definitely an upgrade from what we have right now. It'll definitely relieve Kobe White of having the ball in his hands all the time. He actually be a shooting guard, and he'll be more effective that way. But that's neither here or there. Taking a look at the schedule for the Bulls for this week, as Lakina mentioned, as we recording the show on a Monday, they face the Washington Wizards, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, who's looking to get traded, it seems like, every year. This year's no different since Washington has the worst record in the Eastern Conference. On Wednesday, Zion Williamson, a.k.a. your savior, as the NBA uh, is brainwashing you. I like Zion personally, but the NBA is trying to tell you he's your savior, but We'll see about that. The New Orleans Pelicans come in here on Wednesday. That's an 8 o'clock tip at the UC. And then, of course, on Friday, Lakina, I'm looking forward to this matchup. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the Los Angeles Clippers visit the United Center. Center. So, so assuming that the Bulls uh, beat the Wizards, uh, you have two tough games this week. Now, since we mentioned the injuries are starting to pile up a little bit for the Bulls, there's still uh, uh, tough games this week ahead for this team. 
Um, oh, look, I'm glad to see how they look against those top teams in the, in the West. I mean, I mean, look, New Orleans and up and down, mm-hmm. but look, we'll see who's going to be able to have to guard Zion. You know, good luck to that person, whoever, whoever, <laughs> they are, whoever he ends up being. I'm, I'm, you know, you have my apologies. Um, but look, I mean, I think they can beat the Clippers. I mean, look, the Clippers lost to the Kings last night. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but. You mm-hmm. know, the Clippers haven't really been, in, you know, they've been impressive, but they've kind of had sort of a couple of head scratchers as the last couple of nights, um, last couple of games, I should say. Washington, they should be able to win that game. I Look, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, Bradley, I'm sure, you know, Billy Dom is trying to coerce uh, Eversley and, you know, AK to kind of like, hey, you know what, I used to, I recruited that kid in Florida. That was his, that was actually, you know, Bill was actually uh, Dom's last big recruit before he left for the NBA at Florida. So, you know, there have been some people said that maybe Bill to the Bulls, mm-hmm. but, Look, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want his services. So, but you know, we'll see what they do. I think they, can, I think the Bulls can win that. You know, injuries, injuries aside, I think the Bulls can win that game because Washington's had some of their own issues with injuries and COVID and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be. A, I don't want to say this is going to be a litmus test. This week's going to be a litmus test for the Bulls, but I think this is sort of like we'll. This is okay. Who they are, or we'll see how they are, or what they are, and and whatnot. And the weird thing about that game against um, the Clippers is actually going to be on a neutral site, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, it's actually going to, you know, yeah, it's going to be at the UC. So it'll be interesting to see how, how, how they do against the Clippers. I think, look, they played them very close uh, about a month ago. You know, they had the big mm-hmm. lead and, you know, ultimately the Clippers ended up winning that game. So can they perhaps maybe, you know, pull off the upset? We'll see. I mean, look, we've seen some upsets in the NBA this year, you know, this past weekend I, I, we're going to talk about. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see what, how the, how the Bulls look against those, those teams. Like this should be very, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So like you mentioned, it'll show you how much uh, this team has grown or not grown on uh, playing against better competition. We'll see that definitely the, for this upcoming week. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We talk uh, NBA, let's shift over to what happened this weekend, this past weekend, Lakina. I know we were all focusing on the Super Bowl, but I checked out a couple of games, and I'll focus on the national game that was on ABC this past Saturday night. It was the Dallas Mavericks versus the Golden State Warriors. The Mavericks ended up winning it 132-134. to Steph Curry for the Warriors had 57 points and had 11 three-point uh, field goals made. Luka Dantich had 42 points for Dallas, his career high, grabbing seven rebounds and 11 assists. Lakina, we said this on our last podcast on Friday, I believe. I didn't like the way Dallas played on Thursday. Uh, They got um, knocked around on national television. The Golden State took advantage of that, but Dallas needed this game in the worst way as they tried to get back to 500. Oh, yeah, they needed that. Look, the the Mavs needed this win more than the Warriors did, and I know mm-hmm. I know Curry was disappointed after the game. You know, there were some you know, calls that maybe maybe should have went the other way, but again, we won't talk about that. But look, Dallas needed that for morale. I mean, there were some mm-hmm. well, people in Dallas were saying that maybe follow Rick Carlisle. I'm like, okay, guys, you need to slow down there. A lot. Of, <laughs> I mean, well, you know how you know how some fans are. Said you know that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But this is. We'll see if they can. This will sort of you know jumpstart them. You know they have to play Minnesota. You know you got to think they'll win that game tonight against Minnesota. But look, I think maybe you know the you know Dallas can kind of kick themselves in the gear here, and I'm, and hopefully they can. I think this they've been probably definitely been one of the disappointments in the NBA this year so far. Another, I'm not going to say a disappointing team, but a disappointing situation right now is the Brooklyn Nets, of course. 
Uh, last Friday, the, uh, they had a game against the Toronto Raptors. Kevin Durant was traveling with a person who had COVID-19. Of course, Durant has had it twice already. Um, he came to the arena. He was told that he wasn't el uh, eligible to play. The test results weren't released yet, so he was able to play 19 minutes. And then when he came out of the game in the third quarter, uh, he was told that the test came back. He was um, – that you had to leave the game. And, of course, he threw the water bottle in the tunnel. And then he went to social media talking about free me. And then and another tweet, come on, NBA, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. He won't be eligible to play until this upcoming Friday. So he's going to miss uh, the next couple of games for the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, I did watch some of this game this past Saturday via my computer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, 124 to 108. It was a close game through three and a half, through three quarters, but after Danny Green picked up the uh, technical foul, uh, the 76ers went off, and uh, they pulled away at the end. Tobias Harris led Philadelphia with 21 points, 12 rebounds. James Harden, uh, who was the only one of the big three that played, he, he grabbed, he grabbed uh, eight rebounds, dished out 10 assists, and scored 26 points. Lakina, some, uh, the, the sooner that the big three can come back for Brooklyn, I think this team will be better. But we talked about this last week. They still need a defensive, a defensive presence because as much as you can score the ball, you cannot give up as many points or more. It's just not going to get it done. I don't care what area you're playing in in the NBA. <laughs> especially in the playoffs, right? Especially if you're yes. talking about you want to win a championship. You cannot, you cannot give up 124 points, you know, per game. You can't do it. You just can't. And look, I mean, the Nets have had their issues with defense. You know, they don't have a defender right now. So, you know, maybe they'll try to find somebody in the trade deadline. We'll see how, what happens in that front. Mm -hmm. But I, I just don't see it happening, you know, until they get somebody. Um, one of probably one of like the bright spots, and I talked about them, you know, just about a minute ago. The Sacramento Kings, mm -hmm. you know, they beat both the you know, Denver and the Clippers. You know, Harrison Barnes had 28, and that win over Denver. And just you know, just last night, De'Aaron Fox had 36, which is a, a season high for him. So, you know, I guess the Clippers. So, do you think the Kings can probably perhaps maybe make a make a, a make a, a challenge for though that sort of like that bottom tier sort of the eight seed and maybe perhaps in the playing games because they're at 12 and 11 right now and they've won four in a row i think they can but they gotta play more consistent i like the halliburton kid the rookie that, that picked up yeah. In the draft. yeah i i really like him a lot so his game is coming on strong right now like you mentioned Lakina, if they don't have any setbacks unlike the chicago bulls right now in terms of injuries if they can play around 500 they'll be in that conversation for the but for the playing tournament from the seven to ten spots, I believe so. But I believe the Sacramento is a little bit better than what people give it credit for. I know they're not on national television a lot, but uh, I checked out a few of their games, and so uh, they playing some good ball right now. And going back to that Saturday game against Denver, congrats to um, Jokic. Uh, he scored fifty points, a, a new career high for him. But let's be, let's be real here. Uh, they didn't have Jamal Murray, my guy. And so the Nuggets are 12 and 10 as of this is this recording. In Denver, they started to turn around. As soon as they started to turn around, they take a, a small step back. But I think Denver will be fine. But it was just that uh, Jokic wasn't rewarded with the victory uh, with his 50-point performance. And that's a tough one there for them. And that was the, the 50 points to lose the effort. You got to give him credit for, you know, scoring, you know, the consistent scoring that he's done. But again, unfortunately, the Nuggets haven't been consistent as a whole. <laughs> that's been that's mm -hmm. the problem. Like I said, you know, they were out Murray, you know, he was banged up. But 
it'll be interesting to see what what they where they go because you know the Nuggets have been I don't want to say disappointing, but they should have a better record right now. Yeah, another team in the Western Conference are making moves quietly, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. They defeated the Houston Rockets on Saturday. I know, as I said before, they're going through a transitional period right now. I know they still have uh, Deontay Murray, one of the best young players on the team. You still have LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay still hanging around, veteran Patty Mills from their championship days from a few years ago. He's still there. Quietly, San Antonio's making a move. I'm not saying they're going to challenge the Lakers or Utah, which we'll get to in a minute. They're not going to challenge uh, some of the top teams in the West, but they quietly are making moves right now. They're 13 and 10. Do you see a surprise? I'm not going to say a surprise team, but when's the last time we said the Spurs are a surprise team? Well, Seriously. And, well, you, well, you forgot. There's one guy you forgot, and that's DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> he had 30 points in yeah. the win against the, the Rockets. So, like, hey, I think he's kind of been a, sort of a forgotten guy once he, you know, he was traded away from Toronto. But he's been – look, he's been making some moves, and like I said before – the Spurs have been kind of up and down, so they, they've lost you know, a few in a row, but now they're, they're hot again. So I'm kind of like sort of, you know, lukewarm on the Spurs right now. I want to see more from them because I haven't seen it consistently. So I want to see how, how they look. I mean, like you said, this, post, this is a, you know, a transition year for, for them. You know, this, this could be, you know, Pop's last season coaching. So I, I, I kind of want to see this, you know, do this more consistently. But you know, like, I'm, I've been impressed with what they've done. That was, a, you know, I, I watched a little bit of that game last night against Houston. That was a nice win for them. Um, yep. No, go ahead. Okay, a couple of games from from uh, this past Sunday. Of course, I mentioned the Utah Jazz. Another big win for them on the road against the Indiana Pacers, 103-95. Donovan Mitchell leads the Jazz again in scoring with 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 11 assists. DeMontis Sabonis led Indiana with 20 points, 9 rebounds. The Pacers are around 500. Uh, after they had a hot start, they kind of cooled off the Jazz on the roll right now uh, with a 19-5 record. Uh, I'll say it again, Lakina, uh, the Jazz are playing hot right now, but I want to see it come playoff time. And that was the, that, that's the thing that they kick at. They got them. Yes. I mean, the last, you know, season was the fact that they couldn't do it in the playoffs. They got knocked out early. So, mm-hmm. um, look, I'm, I know they're probably on a mission right now. They're 19 and 5. They're actually up a, a half game on the Lakers. But let's do this in the playoffs. I mean, I know Donovan Mitchell kind of feels like he's being challenged to sort of, you know, be consistent and play better. But again, you have to do it in the playoffs. That's what counts. Yeah, and also, too, was counts as wins on the road. The, the Boston Celtics are uh, on the on their West Coast road tri- trip right now. They had a big win against the Clippers on Friday, but they dropped one to the Phoenix Suns on Sunday, 100-91. Jason Tatum led Boston with 23 points, along with seven assists. Devin Booker led Phoenix with 18.7 rebounds and 11 assists. Lakina, are you going to take the Phoenix Suns seriously in terms of becoming a playoff team this year, even though they still have Chris Paul in their squad? I think I think so. I think you definitely can make a case for him being, being a you know, being a playoff contender. I think, but like, but like we've been saying, I mean, the West is so like packed and jam packed. There's going to be some some teams are going to be left out, you know, or at the very least they're going to you know, in the play in. So could maybe perhaps Phoenix get into that, you know, that top you know top tier so that they don't have to play the the play in games. I think they can. I think you know I wouldn't be surprised if the front office make another big move. You know. 
like I said, I think, you know, CP3 has sort of been kind of like, sort of like the leader, sort of like the veteran, you know, presence that that team needs. <laughs> and look, we're seeing it so far, you know, they had to be all that big win against the Celtics. I watched a little bit of that game yesterday, you know, in between watching all the, the 400, uh, four hours of Super Bowl 55 pregame shows. <laughs> I had to take a break for a second. I had to watch some hoops, but look, they looked really good. And, you know, they have, they've got some big wins. You know, they have, they've had a few head scratching losses. I mean, you know they they lost you know they they lost you know the two gamer against the Nuggets a couple weeks back, but they've been able, they've had a nice little bounce back. You know they they've won five of the last six after that, so five of the last seven I should say after that. So you know they looked really good. You know Devin Booker. I mean a lot of people learn about no don't know too much about him since he's all the way plays all the way in Phoenix, but he's definitely a guy that definitely is someone you can watch out for. MVP no, but definitely you know, people should pay attention to him more. All right, you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We talk about the National Basketball Association. Lakina, let's go over some uh, key games for the NBA for this upcoming week. Uh, taking a look at Tuesday's schedule, as I mentioned a, a, a couple of moments ago, the San Antonio Spurs, who are 13 and 10 as of this recording, they'll host the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday at 7:30. The Warriors are 12 and 11 right now. They split their two-game series against the Dallas Mavericks over the weekend at nine o'clock on Tuesday. It's the Utah Jazz hosting the Boston Celtics as the Celtics continue to play on the road. And at the same time on Tuesday, nine o'clock, I'm looking forward to this one. It's the Philadelphia 76ers against the Sacramento Kings. As we said before, Lakina, the Sacramento Kings are no joke. They are a young team and I like the way they're playing right now. Philadelphia, uh, if they, if they think they can just go walk into a Golden One Center and come away with the victory without showing up, uh, they're going to have some problems on their hands. This definitely could be a trap game for the Sixers. So hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully Doc has his guys not looking, you know, not looking ahead. So, but uh, look, I mean, this is definitely going to be a great game. And remember that Boston Jazz game is actually going to be a TNT game tomorrow night. So, you know, the, the nation will get a chance to watch. Should be a very, should be a, it's Yep, a that should be fun. Yep, that should be fun. Looking forward to Wednesday's games at 6.30, and this is an ESPN game. Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks will take a trip down to Dallas to face the Mavericks. Of course, the two guys uh, headline this matchup, of course, is Trey Young and Luka Dantich. Hopefully the Mavericks can get back on track to that 500 mark. The Hawks, they're uh, right around with the Indiana Pacers and Chicago Bulls. Uh, trying to battle for those last couple of playoff spots. As of this recording, the Hawks are 11 and 12. They are very much improved from uh, from the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. That should be the battle of the young guns, as they say. So that should be a fun one there. I'm looking forward to Milwaukee and Phoenix. That is that the late yes. ESPN. Uh, that, that should be a lot of fun. Giannis against Devin Booker. That should be a lot of fun in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And also, too, Chris Paul against Drew Holiday. You know, Drew Holiday is one of the best underrated players in the league, so we'll see what happens there. Turning to Thursday, uh, the first game that's on TNT will be the Miami Heat versus the Houston Rockets. I know Jimmy Butler's back. Houston is not a bad ball club. I know they have a new big three of Vito, Depot, John Wall, and DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, we'll see what happens in that one as those teams are uh, trying to battle for respect and get back into the playoff race. Another game that's on at the same time on Thursday at 6.30 will be the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. They had their classic series a year ago. Let's see if the Celtics can uh, rebound uh, after coming out that tough West Coast road trip. 
that should be a lot of fun with that one. And I think what Toronto is starting to kind of get still get up there a little bit. So mm-hmm. look, it's it's the opening is there in the Eastern Conference. So I'm hoping that Toronto is sort of starting to kind of you know getting into a groove. And let's hope that you know, it'll be a nice way to to do it to get their revenge against the Celtics. <laughs> Another game, yep. looking, another game I'm looking forward to, oh, I know you're going to mention this, is late, that game on TNT. The late game will be Philadelphia and Portland. That should be an interesting yes. one there. Great minds. <laughs> yep, and it's Joel, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons versus uh, Damian Lillard. Uh, we all know that Damian Lillard shines, especially on national TV. So as Philadelphia continues their uh, West Coast road trip, it, it's going to be another good one. And for Portland, they're uh, battling for respect and they're battling for the, one of those last playoff spots in the rest of the conference. Uh, Philadelphia, um, they're trying to maintain their lead uh, as far as the best team record-wise in the Eastern Conference. So that should be an, uh, a late one there. I'll, I'll be able to catch most of that one. Yeah, should be a lot of fun with that one. And um, the the Friday matchups, you know, should be a good one here. You got Zion versus Luka, New Orleans against Dallas. That's the ESPN game. Early game mm-hmm. for those of you in Dallas, you know, 6.30. We talked about the Clippers and the uh, the Bulls. Um, the late game, you know, Memphis and the Lakers, that should be a fun one. Memphis, mm-hmm. you know, they had to pause, you know, due to COVID, start to kind of get back into, like, you know, get back to the routine because, you know, they haven't been able to play in the last couple the last couple of weeks. They had, a, you know, they you know, had some setbacks. They've lost three in a row after that, after coming back. So what do you see in that game? That should be an interesting one there in Los Angeles. Yeah, it should be fun. So, uh, like you said, like those Friday games are interesting. I'm look, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking for, forward to those. So, uh, the, the the NBA season is heating up. So, I uh, it should be a lot of fun. Is is a, a variety of menu of games. And now since football season is up, I can really like in on the NBA. Let's excuse me. Let's turn it over now to college basketball, Lakina. Let's start locally. The Illinois final line that they are 3-0 and uh, starting off that big way from Iowa uh, from a week or so ago. They beat uh, Indiana on the road with I-A-O, as I call them on this show. Ayo uh, <laughs> Desumu, he missed the game last Tuesday against the Indiana Hoosiers on the road, but the, but the final line there will be able to win that one in overtime. And, of course, uh, this past Saturday, uh, it was a big game on Fox. I did watch the majority of this one. They defeated the Wisconsin Badgers 75-60. I.L. Desumu led the Illini with his first career triple-double, 21 points, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists. Lakina, the Illini led at, led at the half 36-23. I don't know if you checked out this this statistic, but the Illini out-rebounded Wisconsin 28-10. Yep. Let me repeat that again, 28-10. And the key to that uh, was Kofi uh, Coburn. He really had a big game because we talked about his struggles, especially in, in that game at, at uh, versus Iowa a week or so ago. But he really picked it up on Saturday, uh, scoring 23 points and grabbing 14 rebounds, including four on the offensive end. He really made the the difference for the Atlanta inside. This is an impressive win. They- and mm-hmm. I, think, I think, you know, the Alliance is starting to find their groove. This is sort of the perfect time for them to find their groove. So, yep. I mean, they're, like, you know, with Michigan, again, still not, you know, being able to play. They're actually supposed to have played on Thursday, you know, Michigan and Illinois. But, mm-hmm. of course, of course, you know, with Michigan still on pause because of COVID, 
you know, they've had to postpone that game. But look, I think if you're Illinois, you got to be looking, if you're an Illini fan, I should say, you got to be feeling pretty good about your team right now. This is sort of the team that we've been, you know, we've been looking for throughout the season and, you know, that, that grinded out Big Ten, you know, such, so much depth in the Big Ten. But mm-hmm. Illinois, look, Illinois started to get hot at the right time. Yeah, they're they're thirteen and five on the season. They are nine and three in, in conference. I think, as I mentioned on our last episode, it's a shame that that game against Michigan is postponed due to Michigan's issues with COVID nineteen. And so, let's see if Illinois can finish out the schedule strong. I believe you could check this, Lakina, but I believe their next game against is against Northwestern. I know they have them coming up soon. So, uh, if they can finish out strong before the Big Ten tournament, uh, it is really going to be huge. Should be a should be a fun one. Should be interesting one there. I mean, unfortunately, Northwestern's going in a different direction. So, I guess you're right, Sid. That next game is against Northwestern. So, but that's like not till next week. So that's <laughs> they'll have they'll have a little bit of a. So they got a full week off, you yeah, know, minus the Michigan game now. Yeah. So yeah. So they they'll have a definitely have a full week. I'm sure you know Brad Underwood will make sure his guys are still you know kind of you know fresh so that it won't be looks they won't look too rusty coming back. Um, a big win for uh, Oklahoma State over Texas. I watched that game over the weekend. Um, you know, Cade Cunningham, who a lot of people are, you know, are buying, thinks they're buying him for next season's um, NBA draft. You know, they looked really good. The Cowboys did. Texas Tech got, uh, got a nice win against K-State. Uh, unfortunately, Kansas, not so much. I mean, you know, they lose to West Virginia. Now they're out of the top 25. You know, the new rankings just came out. And this is interesting, Sid, because this is the first time, my gosh, since 1948, 1949. That's the longest streak, you know, of appearances. They're out of the top, mm-hmm. they're out of the top 25 after 231 consecutive AP polar releases going back to February of 09. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it's been longer than that. <laughs> uh, it, it feels that way, right? But uh, I think it goes all the way back to, I think, I believe Bill Self's first year at Kansas, I believe. So they were mm-hmm. on rank for a little bit, but they got back into it and, you know, had it be a nice show in the tournament. But also, too, I want to give a, a props to another local team, Loyola. They're back in the top yes. 20. They're back in the top 25 for the first time since 1985. <laughs> yeah, two big wins over the weekend. Yes, big wins, big wins over Evansville. And with Drake losing, getting their first loss of the mm. season, now they're in like the driver's seat in the Missouri Valley right now. You know, Drake got knocked out, losing to, losing Northern Iowa, and now the you know, Loyola's in in the top 25, and they're in like in, I think they're tied for first right now in the Missouri Valley. So, but you know, Porter Moser got his guys playing hard, and like some people, like you mm-hmm. said, some some folks are saying that this could be like the even uh, this team's probably even better than the team that you know that went to the Final Four a few years back. But we'll see. I mean, I believe that. Yep, they played Drake. They played Drake this weekend. So we'll, we'll talk mm-hmm. more about. I that. think that's a two game series, correct? The, yeah, the way they're yeah the way they're the Missouri Valley is doing it. Like you know, like I think a couple other conferences are doing it, is that they're doing like mm-hmm. two game series, sort of mini sort of series type. Mm-hmm. to minimize travel because of COVID. So that's why they're doing it that way. As I said before, I believe it was our last episode, Lakina, or the episode before. Loyola cannot come out of there with an 0-2 record. They got to come out of there. At worst, they got to come out of there with a split. Yeah, that's, that's the best way to do it right now. Also, too, for all you Pac-12 fans, UCLA beat U, uh, USC, I should say, beat UCLA. 
dominate UCLA. Now they're in first place in the Pac-12. Andy, Andy Enfield has got his guys playing right now. They got like like half their team like seven foot and hot, seven foot and taller. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oddly enough, so you know, if you're looking for a team to sort of latch behind, I mean, I think maybe USC might be the team. Just saying, they look really, they looked really good. Um, let's see who else has looked good. Um. I mean, oh, oh, uh, Missouri got a big win against Alabama, taking over first place in the SEC. So that that's you know, Quanzo Martin's got his guys balling over there, mm-hmm. down there, I should say, in Columbia. So Missouri's looked really good. And look, I mean, this is we're five weeks before Selection Sunday, so a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of teams are sort of like fighting for position. You know, you know, St. John's, you know, had a big upset win against Villanova, avoid the letdown against Providence. They're kind of sort of like on the top tier of like the next four, like the first four out. So that should be, you know, if you're not looking, if you're looking for a team to sort of like cheer on to sort of get into the tournament, I think St. John's is probably that team. But look, a lot of these teams are going to be, you know, fighting for spots, you know, drink lots of Valpo, I should say. I should, I should correct myself there. But Parade's got, you know, I think that's their first one against a top 25 team, like four or five years. So they've mm-hmm. kind of been struggling. But, Leo, you know, look, I mean, you're sort of, you know, and also, too, you got a lot of postponements, too. So, you got to think that's going to play a part, too. So, we talked about uh, that maybe they may have to take a couple of weeks off to sort of, like, get everybody on track. But there's going to be a lot of games to make up. Yeah, so I don't know if the NC – they should do it, but I don't think they'll be able to do it. Like you said, Lincoln, they have a lot of games to make up. Unfortunately, money is the big uh, main reason why that these games will, will have to be make up, made up. I mean, can they make up between now and conference tournament time? I'm not sure. But as I teased before the break, Lakina, there were two teams going in the opposite direction in the Big Ten. Of course, Illinois, we talked about at the top of the segment, uh, that they're trending upwards. But the Iowa Hawkeyes, after losing to Illinois uh, a week or so ago, they defeated Michigan State, but they have lost their last two games uh, First was to Ohio State, 89-85. And then, of course, uh, on Sunday at Indiana, 67-65. Looking at their schedule, they do have a favorable schedule, but uh, the Hawkeyes are in trouble right now. I know their next game is uh, against Rutgers, who are now in the top 25. Then they're at Michigan State again at Wisconsin. And then they wrap up against Penn State. And then they're at uh, Ohio State to wrap it up, uh, to wrap up. Uh, the Big Ten season as of now on February 28th. Of course, the Michigan game in the was the first Wisconsin game has been postponed. It, it'll be made up hopefully later. Lakina, do you still consider Iowa to be not just a top team in the Big Ten, but one of the top uh, teams in the country, even though they rate 15th at, as of this moment? They're, they're, I think they're still right there. I mean, they've had their struggles. I mean, look, give Indiana credit. They actually were able to contain Garza which you would think that that was a, a, a hard task, but they've done that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, West Camp, you know, missed a couple of, you know, key shots late. So, unfortunately, that that sort of doomed them. But, I, I mean, they need – I think they need – I think they need more contrib- contributions from off the bench. That's been the problem. I mean, you know, they have no guys in double figures. I think, you know, West Camp and, you know, guards, of course, are sort of like kind of – had to kind of like lighten the load or lead the load, if you will. So, they're gonna need mm-hmm. some. They're gonna need. They're gonna need some contributions, you know, in, you know, off the bench if they want to go far, not only in the Big Ten tournament but also in the NCAA tournament. That's been their problem, and they're kind of getting exposed to that. All right, you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown as we wind down the show for this week. 
Lakina, let's turn our attention back to football for a moment just to uh, wrap up the show. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announcements uh, uh, for the class of 2021 were announced over the weekend. Uh, did you have any problems with uh, anybody getting in? I know Charles Woodson is going in. I know Alan Fanica finally got uh, got into the Hall of Fame. Drew Pearson finally is in there. The original 88 for you young kids out there for Dallas before Michael Irvin. Uh, Peyton Manning was elected as, as expected. So, uh from that list, do you have any problems or anybody who uh, were left out or got elected? Well, look, look, I've said this since the you know, the initial you know finalist you know was announced. I mean, look, Manning and Woodson will get in no problem. Everyone else, I did the shrugs emoji. Like I, I don't know who else is getting in. But look, I'm glad Vanica got in. I mean, he sh he sh probably should have been in. I mean, he's a nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro. You know, look, you heard, you know, Jerome Bettis, a, a fellow Hall of Famer and Steelers teammates say, he mm -hmm. was one, he's one of the reasons why he got the numbers he got. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad he finally got his due. And I'm, I'm, I'm just very, very happy for him. And, you know, just a stoic reaction, which is, it was actually pretty funny. Calvin Johnson, I'm a little surprised, but not really. I mean, look, mm -hmm. his, his numbers sort of, you know, spoke for themselves. He was an all pro and, you know, they you know, Played nine years. He led the NFL in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, yards per game, and just you know countless other, countless yeah. countless other you know you know you know uh, other stats that you know it's too many to count. But you know I, I'm, I'm glad he got in. John Lynch, though, I'm so happy he got in. You know probably one of the best you know you know defensive guys that ever played. You know won the first Super Bowl. Was a big part of that first Super Bowl with Tampa. All pro. Yeah. I mean, just you know, just an amazing that that whole defense with him and Derek Brooks and you know Simeon Rice and some of the other guys. I mean, that that you know that that team I think doesn't get their due unfortunately. And look, we know about Peyton Manning, we knew about Woodson, of course. Um, Tom Flores finally, you know, got in. I mean, just, yeah, you know, he was the original Trailblazer, first Hispanic, you know, to play in the NFL, first, you know, you know, we 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 talk about Tony Dungeon a lot, but people forget it was Tom Flores who was the first coach of color to win a Super Bowl. Has four yeah. Super Bowls as a player, a consistent coach, and a head coach. Drew Pearson, you know, thank, we, we, look, we all saw what happened last year. He had all his family and friends there, and David Baker, who probably has the coolest job, I gotta say, Sid, in, in sports. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad he finally got in, and, you know, it was great to see him, you know, share that moment with with you know his former good friend and the former um, Cowboys teammate Roger Tubman, also I know Jerry Jones. He and Jerry Jones are still very close, and also Bill Nunn. Now, if the name doesn't sound familiar, you know he was a, a trailblazer in of himself. He kind of bridged the gap between getting more and more uh, black players in the NFL. He was you know a lot of ways he helped sort of build those 1970 Steeler teams with Len Swan and you know. John Stallworth and those guys. So I have Mel no Blunt. Yeah, Mel Blunt too. I have no problem. Also, I kind of bridge the gap between you know the NFL and HBCUs too. So mm -hmm. yeah, because that's where most of your uh, black athletes were coming from before integration. And so most of your uh, black athletes came out of those schools. I know later Jerry Rice came out of Mississippi Valley State, but during that time it was Jackie Slater, who I think is a Hall of Fame. Of course, the late great Walter Payton out of Jackson State. So he had a lot of great talent coming out of there at that time. Anybody, any surprises for you? Or you, know, you were sort of scratching your head, thinking, you know, why did he get in? Or 
Not really. I don't have a, a complaint about this class, like you mentioned. Like you mentioned, we knew that Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning would, would get in on their first tries, but the other guys that were well deserved. This was the year to get in. I'm glad they got in. Now, looking ahead to next year's class, I don't have the list in front of me, but I know that Devin Hester's on that list. It should be no problem from him getting in on the first try. He has the most returns in NFL history. But you know how they do do uh, special teams guys though. Look, look what happened. Martinez had to wait like twenty plus years before he got in. I know Chris Carter had to wait six years, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's the players that will be eligible next year. Ready? Demarcus Ware. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Hester. Seismus Senior. Robert Mathis. Andre Johnson. Vince Wilbrook and Anquan Bolden. I think Anquan Bolden gets in, but not right away. Steve Smith. I think he gets in, but he may have to wait a couple of years. I do think that the only guy that might get in first ballot, I know all these guys, all those guys they will get in eventually will probably be Ware. I think Ware's probably, maybe Wolfbook, maybe, but look at the guys who did not get in. Zach Thomas, he probably said that's the only, you know, one guy you probably say should have gotten in, but I, I don't, it's, it's going to be even tougher next year. You thought this year was tough? It's going to be even tougher mm-hmm. next year. Yeah, we should see what, what happens with that. Uh, quickly, Lakina, before we get out of here, let's, let, let's do that hockey. <laughs> let's do that hockey. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks have won three out of their last four games, uh, in, including the, a 2-1 to one victory uh, at Dallas on Sunday. Alex DeBringit, who who has made his return from COVID, he scored both goals, including the game winner, on on uh, big game Sunday, of course their schedule, uh, upcoming schedule for this week. They finish out their two game series at Dallas on Tuesday, and then they come back to the United Center for a quick two game series against the uh, new division rival for this year, the Columbus Blue Jackets, on Thursday and Saturday night. Lakina, real quick, uh, as I mentioned, the Blackhawks are five four and four middle of the pack of that Central Division race, almost at the top now. I'm not going to say playoffs just yet. I know Malcolm Subban, Subban uh, PK's little brother, <laughs> he was in that on Sunday. He got the win. Congratulations to him. I'm not saying that the Blackhawks are a playoff team yet, but you can see this team growing a little bit. It's still going to take some t- time, but just like the Bulls, I want to see them play like this against better competition. Now, I know you were worried about them being one of the worst teams in the league. I told you no at the time. I'm still saying no right now, but – my mind started to wonder, and I'm going to keep saying this until the season ends. No Kirby Doc, no Alex Nylander. Hopefully, Jonathan Tapes is all right. Hopefully, he plays this year. If you had those three guys in the lineup, maybe you'll, you'll overachieve just a little bit. But <laughs> I wonder how good this team would, would they really be if all those guys I just mentioned were in the lineup healthy. And also, too, P.S., Congratulations to Patrick King for being the named the number two NHL star of the week. Yeah, I just saw with that. two goals and five assists. Yeah, I just saw that too. Very deserving of that honor. Look. Yes. Confident and confident. That's all. That's all I want. That's all I want for the Blackhawks. Just yeah. <laughs> conf- just be confident and confident. That's what they. That's what they're doing here. And you know, I'm I'm happy for them, and I'm happy that they they they, they played very well, and I'm, I'm glad that they've been you know showing the fact that showing that fight, you know. But I'm, I'm feeling better about that now. Yay, thank goodness. Um, yeah, so hopefully the Bulls and Blackhawks, they won't be doom and gloom for this winter and early spring like we thought uh, before those uh, the season started for both those teams. Absolutely. Um, look, I saw, look, I saw a great uh, game yesterday, uh, the Flyers and the Capitals. The Flyer, Flyers pulled off uh, that win there. They looked very impressive, although Boston looked really good too, I have to say. Mm-hmm. 
they looked really good. Yeah. Um, the Canadian teams, I mean, they, they got all the the way it's the way it's set up. They got like most of the Canadian teams and all the Canadian teams in one mm-hmm. division, the North Division, as they call it. You know, ironically, I'm not sure North the border. <laughs> you know, the Toronto. <laughs> I mean, like, look, you know how some folks are. They're not that good at geography. And I, I look, I, I, again, I wasn't that good for a little bit either. But, you know, they, they, you know Toronto's look good. Um, you know, the defending champion, Tampa Bay, you know, they're showing you why they're defending uh, cup champs. They've won four in a row. So I'm, 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 looking, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I mean, you know, Vegas has won a couple of, you know, uh, close games. So I'm, 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 I'm encouraged by what I've seen with the NHL. Yeah, NHL should be exciting now. Hopefully they get the attention they, they deserve, but I'm kind of wishful thinking of this as football is over now. We know the NBA is king, especially here in the U.S. So hopefully the things will start to pick up in the NHL and hopefully they'll get more interest. Uh, before we go, Lakina, well, I did ask you about the Super Bowl uh, halftime show during our last segment. You mentioned something to me about the commercials. Were they worth it for you or not? Yeah, they're sure, man. No. They're they're. they're- <laughs> I mean, look, I, I look, I, I mean, the, the, the T-Bubble ones with, you know, the, the weird, funky, you know, signals. I mean, it would be ironic if <laughs> that's how um, Quinn Stefani and Blake Shelton got together was bad uh, cell reception. Maybe that's, you know, it would be ironic. <laughs> that, that, you know, that, that look, I, I, I like the Crown World one with KG. I mean, that, that was, I thought that was pretty cool. But some of the ones were, like, were very weird to me. <laughs> Some, like like the Paramount Plus, the, the Param, Paramount Plus one, which is a new streaming service that'll be launched to replace you know, CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that looked kind of weird. <laughs> that was sort of weird for me. Um, the car ones, are, you know, yeah, they, they always score. I mean, the car ones are always, you know, pretty good too. But other than that, I mean, a lot of them were sort of meh for me. What about you? I, I know you say you didn't watch a lot of the commercials like very closely, but were there any ones that stuck out? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I know I saw on social media about the Jason Alexander one. He's an actor who was on Seinfeld in the 90s. I forgot what product it was for, but I know people are um, raving about that. Yeah, I think that was the Doritos one, I think. That was a that was pretty good. But yeah, but none of them were really, mm-hmm. none of them really suck out. I don't know. Sure. All right, Lakina, take us home. All right, so... You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. That's SidKid80 once again. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E. R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And also you can catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply searching for War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app where you download your podcast. Make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor, W-A-R-R on Anchor. Also, we're on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media, once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing. <laughs> we exist. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. So enjoy the games. Look, football's over with now, guys. Now you can you can watch NBA, you can watch college uh, college hoops, you know, catch up, you know, sort of brush mm-hmm. your college hoops before the tournaments, the conference tournament starts. So you guys got no excuses now. Mm-hmm. All right. So also to rest in peace to veteran um, baseball reporter Pedro Gomez, who sadly passed away. Kind of got mm-hmm. lost, you know, lost in the, um, the Super Bowl, you know, euphoria, but 
he was probably one of the best, uh, not just baseball reporters, best reporters, period. And, you know, Miami born, you know, he, he actually went to his native Cuba with, you know, his, his late father and brother's ashes a couple of years ago. He shared, you know, his journey with that because his father didn't want nothing to do with the country after, after um, he, you know, he and his family left. So just rest in peace to probably one of the, the best, you know, out there. It's been, a, it's been a very tough, uh, you know, month so far with, you know, so many great reporters losing, we're losing them way too soon. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, salute to Mr. Gomez, and his legacy will, will not be forgotten. Absolutely. So enjoy the games out there, guys. Like I said, you know, catch up on your hoop, both college and pro. You guys have got no excuses now. So for Sid, I'm the king. You guys stay, <laughs> you guys stay warm. I know, you know it's, it's very cold in a lot of parts and in a lot of areas around the country, especially here in Chicago. But look, look, wear your mask, keep your dishes, and wash your hands, and we'll see you Friday. Till next time, holla!